Welcome to Paid in Puke, a podcast where three women with names discuss movies about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. Welcome to Paid in Puke Series 7, wherein we discuss every episode of Ryan Murphy's American Crime Story miniseries, Impeachment, starring Sarah Paulson and Beanie Feldstein. I'm Jessica Baxter. I'm Christina Barr. I'm Annie Malone. And today we're talking about episode six, Manhandled, directed by Ryan Murphy and written by Sarah Burgess. Did you know it was called Manhandled? No, I didn't. <laughs> this is a coup d'etat and we're the coup. Miss Lewinsky, we're agents with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Linda. You have taken part in a conspiracy. Are you still planning to lie? You could be looking at 28 years. Linda, what did you do? It originally aired on October 12, 2021. A fun fact about this episode is that it was a 23-day shoot for one episode of what? television. Wow. Wow. Yeah. This that is unheard of. insane. <laughs> Basically I, like a movie shoot. Yeah. Wow. It yeah. had to. I knew it was directed by Ryan Murphy. I think it's my favorite episode. Um, yeah. Just like when everything just like comes down and it mm-hmm. seems like when things get really fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. This was Definitely. Yeah. It's got kind of bottle episode vibes because mm-hmm. it's like you know mostly takes place in that hotel room, although there are yeah. scenes outside of it. But I'm always in favor of a bottle episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that high concept. Yeah. Bit of TV. God damn, is it intense. Yeah, it is really crazy. (laughs) Uh, I have a quote from Beanie Feldstein from a Hollywood Reporter interview. She said, uh, I understood what my task was very deeply. I had done a year of research, if not more, by the time we shot it. It was over a year of research, closer to two. I knew what my job was, and I didn't want Monica to have to go through that again. So she didn't ask Monica for help on this one. Oh, interesting. But she read, there was an authorized biography that she read, and she read interviews and everything. She understood that this was so traumatic for Monica, and I thought that was very conscientious of her to understand that and do her own research and be prepared. And she really nailed it. I mean, it's so powerful, her performance. What a terrible experience to have. Oh my god, I know. Okay, you've made your call. You've had time to think. You need to decide. Yes or no. I can't go to jail. Okay, good. Then you come back to our office, and either you start on the monitored phone calls, or you wear a body wire and you go see them in person. I can't. I can't trap Betty and Vernon. I just, I will not do that to Too bad! That's what we need from you! So awful, these fucking lawyers. I mean, these are just lawyers. There are FBI agents there, yeah. but the fact that it's like lawyers pretending, basically acting like cops and FBI agents and bullies all at once. Right, and, yeah. Right, like it's so unnecessary that one guy yeah. who's just like being such an asshole and it's like, you gotta decide right now. It's like, that's such 
fucking bullshit, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. there is no need for that. And how they wouldn't let her talk to the lawyer, and then later they're like, we never said you couldn't call your lawyer. It's right. like, yeah. well, you did everything but, obviously. I right. mean, I'm sure you saved your ass by not officially saying... Because it really did feel at that point in the episode, like, I didn't watch the episode again, but it really felt like they had said numerous times, you cannot call your lawyer. Mm-hmm. And it was really like, they did it in a lawyery way. Of, right. We never said you couldn't, but we definitely heavily implied that you couldn't. Yeah, I mean, she felt like she couldn't get away. Even though legally she could have walked out and not returned. And even when they let her out, like, yeah. she's still so terrified that, like... She comes back. And, and everybody, like, all those men in the mall, even. Like, I totally understand that, too, seeing all those men around the mall. Right. Who are definitely spying on her. Mm-hmm. And, like, even when she goes into the ladies' room and she sees, like, a woman nursing yeah. her baby on the on the sofa, and she's like, are you one of them? She's in shock and she's terrified. Are you with them? I mean, I can't imagine what that would feel like if... Yeah, I mean, you- and talking about, like, what if I just jumped out the window right now? What if I kill myself? Monica. No, tell me. If I kill myself, will this all go away? If I jump out this window, tell me what would happen. This case is not going away. I want to talk to my lawyer. Okay, we can we can do that, but we need to know whether or not you're going to cooperate with this investigation. Those are all things that really happened. Right, like imagine like how hard it would be to not be so paranoid the rest of your life when something like that crazy and absurd ever actually happened to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's something like, like your close friend really did secretly tape a bunch of conversations and like the feds got involved, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like you could never... And you were trapped like, in a hotel room mindset. for 12 hours? Right. Yeah, how could you get over that ever? My thing with him was personal and private and it has absolutely nothing to do with Paula Jones and I, I really thought about it. And maybe if this were a, off. a serious loss. Turn it off. Turn it off. I don't understand why you have this. And I don't understand what is happening. Why is this happening? Linda, what did you do? Even the, the so-called nice one, <laughs> Colin Hanks, yeah. is threatening her in this episode also. And they, at first, they had the other guy wait in the car or whatever. Yeah, like, they're like, Because he's too, too terrifying. Yeah. Then Ken Starr's like, okay, call the dogs or whatever. Yeah. Like, Are you fellows on your way back? We have a problem. She's refusing to come in. You showed her what you have. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Keep me apprised. Nellie, can you please get me Jackie Bennett on his cell phone? Well, it's so disgusting even the way they so confidently talk about the game plan from the get-go. Of like, They're calling it Operation Prom Night. We'll be back with her quick. Young girl, white-collar crime, flip a witness like that in less than an hour. So what now? We're waiting for Linda Tripp to confirm, but Prom Night's set to start at 12.45. Prom Night? That's what we're calling it. Operation Prom Night. 
half hour with a girl in a hotel room. Yeah, that was disgusting. So fucking gross. They're so And they keep excited. saying to, that they're going to flip her. They're, they keep using that phrase. We're going to flip her. It's going to take an hour to flip her. Yeah. It's so disgusting. And the fact that there were no women in the room, it was all men. Their intent was to intimidate her, but then when she flips out on them at first, they're so thrilled and they're like, I guess it's going to take longer. And that's when they feel like they have to intensify their tactics. And it's so crazy that this is all just lawyer stuff. It's such like a legal gray area, I guess, is the thing. Like it is technically legal, but it's such a gray area. Having Linda there, Mm -hmm. Linda showing up with the agents in the food court and then like the elevator ride you think that's your friend and it's like what is happening you know and like they won't make eye contact and then later when they let her go make a phone call she runs into linda oh my god that's so brutal in the mall and like she's She's just like shopping (laughs) she's been shopping and it's like what the fuck Mm-hmm. It's so crazy. It is, and Linda had already made her peace, quote unquote, with losing Monica's friendship. But Monica was so blindsided by that. Right. To think, yeah. I mean, I just can't imagine. Like, it really would be just like if one of you guys did that. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Just trying to wrap your mind around that while this is happening to you. The reality of that happening is so shocking. Just being betrayed like that. But it's such a testament to her intelligence that even though she was so young and so stressed out and didn't have a lot of information, they were withholding so much information from her, she knew enough to not give in. She didn't know she could just walk out, but... Yeah. She stuck to her guns the whole time, and that's why it ended up taking as long as it did. There's things I'm sure she could have done earlier in the day, but she just didn't know. Right. They were, like, basically thinking of her as a dumb little girl that they could bully, and she was like, I'm young, but I'm smart enough to know that there's something not right here. Yeah, I loved how she said, if I don't call my mom back, she will call the police. We know Frank Carter and Vernon Jordan are both involved. Now, if you think it's a good idea to call up a co-conspirator right now, go. Be my guest. And I want to talk to my mom. What? She's been paging me. I always call her back. And I'm sure she'll be fine. She'll call the police if she doesn't hear from me. Fallon, get the phone. No. No, I want to talk to her in private. Nope. You say hello. You're all right. You'll call her later. I want to talk to my mom right now, and I do not want to be recorded. This is fucking ridiculous. Can we just calm down? Monica, you can go back into this room. You're not going to be recorded. You can have privacy. I will close the doors, okay? I want to call her downstairs. I will come right back up here. I just want to talk to her by myself. I promise you. I promise you. I will come right back upstairs. I thought that was a really cool thing that she did. Like to just have some agency in that situation. Or what little agency she could have. And she didn't say like, okay, I'll cooperate. She kept stalling that. That's pretty amazing. Like she had that. Yeah. Where was like, I'm not going to be the one to ruin these people. You know, I mean, they're they're ruining her, but like... (laughs) She's like, I'm not going to be the one. Like, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. It's really sad to me that I feel like she she still has this mentality of, like, I'm not going to... Like, she doesn't want to... Like, she's still protecting Bill. She's still protecting Bill. Absolutely does not deserve this. I I don't... I'm not going to do that to the president. And she's, like, 
trying frantically to call Betty. And like, because she doesn't want to do that to Betty. And later in the episode, she wants to call Betty so badly. And her mom's like, Monica, you have to. You have to think of yourself. You have to think of this is your life. If I don't call Betty. No, you can't. You cannot. You have to look out for your own life now, honey. Your own future. She's thinking of herself too, though. She does say my life is over and... Yeah, yeah, that's true. And the things that she says are not untrue. Of Like, you know, it's going to be hard for me to date. It's going to be... I mean, it's not true that her life really was ruined forever, but it was certainly... Things were difficult for her for a very, very long time. Because yeah. of this. Because of what Linda did. <laughs> really. Not because of what she did, but because of what Linda did. Yeah. The other part that's really struck me in this episode i mean it's probably how she was raised to be like pretty deferential and polite and agreeable you know like she thanks mm-hmm. the agents oh at the end like oh, that was crazy. thank you uh, so much for everything good night monica that killed me. That absolutely yeah, destroyed Yeah, like me. that part, I just felt like... But I like, can totally see myself doing that same thing. I know, yeah, and it's just... for everything. It's so hard to... I feel like a lot of girls are kind of raised like that to just be polite. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's sad to... Uh, I don't know. That really struck me. Like, she just doesn't want to let anybody down, too. Mm-hmm. You know, she's trying to protect herself, too, but also seems like she's really wanting to protect the president and still wanting to do that. I feel like she wanted just everything. She just wanted just to be over. Yeah. She was just like, I don't want to do any of this. I want this to be done. And unfortunately, it's the beginning. Right. Uh, It is nice to see her mom, though. I know. I'm so (laughs) glad that she got to call her mom and then her mom came. And I do feel like that really changed things for her. I think it would have gone way differently if she hadn't been able to do that and if her mom hadn't, like, come down. And I really like when her mom is like, I'm not Bill Clinton's mom. Like, I'm not concerned about that person's welfare at all. Right. That's a really good line. (laughs) Listen to me, sweetheart. This ends right now. This is all my fault. I caused this, and I'm not going to make him pay for that. It's his fault, too. You need to start thinking about yourself right now. I'm not going to be the one to take down the president. Don't you see that is what this is? I am not Bill Clinton's mother. I am your mother. Where are you going? I am going to talk with them. Yeah, I love Mira Sorvino. She's so good as Marsha. It was like, she doesn't like to fly. I Like, that came up. Her train gets in at 8.50. She just paged. But that's... That's four hours from now. There are flights out of New York constantly. She doesn't like to fly. <laughs> unbelievable, fucking unbelievable. That guy right. was just such an I asshole. I hated that guy so everything. much. Everything. Yeah. I love that when he started really losing it. We want this in writing. Okay, well, we just don't have a typewriter. We don't have a printer. We don't have... It's like, fucking write it down with a pen, you know? Yeah. And then that, that, like, finally, they had kind of called their bluff, like, you actually have no authorization. You can't guarantee anything, so that's why you're not writing it down, you know? I really like how he really just started losing it, like... Yeah. Man, we were asked to wait for you. Okay, you chose to take a train. The train was delayed. I'm sorry, I wasn't sitting ready for the FBI to descend upon my daughter today. Of course. Okay, fine. (laughs) Fine. 
you were assured with you here, she'd finally decide whether or not she was willing to cooperate. She will answer all of your questions, and you won't charge her with anything. She will be given full immunity from prosecution, provided she answers our questions and does monitored calls. If she says no to the calls, do we still get immunity? Well, the thing is, we need evidence that can be used in court. That's what the monitored calls are for. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'll try. I'll go explain to her once you put it in writing. So here's where we're at. We don't have a typewriter. Can't you send for one? No. It's 11 p.m. There's no one at the office. All right. How about a computer? Nope. So you're saying there isn't any way we can get this in writing? Hey, enough of this fucking bullshit. We've been waiting all day. Now, listen, Monica will have full immunity from prosecution, okay? You will have it in writing first thing tomorrow morning. We need to make these calls tonight. It is time sensitive. So ladies, we've given you a promise. You need to give us an answer. All right, well then I feel more comfortable if we call Monica's father, Dr. Lewinsky, no to woman. be a witness to this promise. No, no one outside of this room can know what's happening. He already knows I've called him. You told what? Dad? You told the father? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the flashy... Um, I don't know why he's acting like time is of the essence this way, you know? I was like, this has to be right now. <laughs> like, get him on the phone right now. Like, oh, why? because of the because of the deposition the next day. Whose deposition? Clinton's deposition oh. was the next day. Oh, okay. Well, that seems like more of a his problem than a her problem. It absolutely yeah. is, yeah. But that's why they are... Like, that's why they feel... Like, time is of the essence. I um, still don't really think that. I mean, it's like, all right, his deposition is the next day, but if he lies in it, then they have it. That You know what I mean? His deposition is the next day. She's going to get him on the phone at midnight the night before. Yeah, to get taped confessions when... Right. I mean, it's, it's more like something that would have been nice for them to have. Right. But not necessary. But then because they thought it was going to be easy... Right. And then it wasn't. They got so angry that it was more like the principle of the thing at that yeah. point. Like, this little bitch won't do what we want her to do, so now we're going to make her. Because mm-hmm. they were so confident yeah. going in there, thinking, right. like, we have this in the bag. This is going to be so easy. <laughs> it really is more just, like, a bunch of misogynists who are angry that they can't control this woman. Right. When they were so sure they could. Yeah. Even the nice one, you know? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I love the dad's lawyer friend. He's like the malpractice, the flashy malpractice yes! attorney. Um, Fred Melman. Oh, God, I love <laughs> He's so good. He's so great. He's in Lady Dynamite, and he's so hilarious. What's as, Lady Dynamite? Uh, it's Maria Bamford's Netflix show. There's only like two seasons. He's really funny in it. As her agent. That's a, a funny show. She's she's really great. Yeah, I love her. But yeah, he's kind of like... I mean, you can tell Dr. Lewinsky, like, her dad is like... <laughs> he's freaking out. I mean, yeah. like, he's like a really wealthy, influential guy. And he's like, what do I do? You know, they have my daughter. His friend, the lawyer, is like... What happened so that Monica and Clinton ever actually ended up in a room alone together? Bill, I don't know. I wasn't focused on that. I was focused on the fact that the FBI has my child. What am I supposed to do? All right. Bernie, look at me. I've been your lawyer for a long time. I love you, man. I love you like a brother. 
call Marsha. You tell her when she gets to DC, she dials me up and puts me on with these guys. I swear to you, I am going to fix this. He's like his friend, but he's also like kind of a clout. She's like, he wants this probably, mm-hmm. you know, like to be the lawyer in this situation. He gets her on the phone and he's like, Did they put you in bracelets, sweetheart? Oh, what? Are you in custody now, dear? Oh, um, no, no. Well, I don't think so. They just keep asking me to, to make a decision. All right, put me through to them. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, he doesn't have like that bedside manner or I don't know, yeah. like just, he's hilarious, but he's like, he also seems like he's, like, wanting, like, maybe this is an opportunity for him. Mm-hmm. But I just love it when he, like, tells off the Colin Hanks guy. Mr. Ginsburg, we have been negotiating with Miss Lewinsky here for 11 hours Negotiate? Now. Really? Is that the new term of art for unlawful detention? Sir, she could have left at any time. Shut the fuck up, you motherfucking cocksucker. Excuse me? We've already heard what you want her to do. Now tell us what she's going to get for it. Full transactional immunity from prosecution. I want that in writing. Yeah, well, it's nearly midnight here. We've been down this road with the mother. Too bad. So sad. Write it up now. We don't have a typewriter here. Then write it out by hand and fax it. No, we don't have a fax machine either. You know, I know that hotel. I've stayed at that hotel. They've got a fax machine. It's a goddamn rich carton. Sir, we are not going to use a communal fax. You are a lying sack of shit. It is really nice that at least, you know, he knows exactly what they are and aren't allowed to do. Yeah. Right? And yeah convey that. that. There's no printer. He's like, it's a Ritz-Carlton. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know yeah. that Ritz-Carlton. Right. But, yeah. It's like, come on. <laughs> You're just straight up lying. <laughs> yeah. And it's very notable that Monica all day is like, please let me use the phone. Please let me talk to so-and-so. And then it just takes this man to get on the phone and say, let me talk to this person. And now I'm going to say this. And like that's the person that they will be deferential to. And like, like she needs a man to tell them. Right. And I, it's not her fault. That's like just how they fucking work. But it's Yeah. And so I, telling. I don't think it's only because he's a man. I think it's like because he knows what they're authorized to do and what they're not authorized to do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think it's also partly just that this is a lawyer who knows, like, you you, know, you have no right to, like, detain her. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she actually has every right to just walk out the door. And you and I both know it, like, but she didn't know it. Yeah. I think it's a lot that he, like, calls her bluff on so much. You know, if you were 24 years old, <laughs> like, a bunch of, like, federal agents and yeah. lawyers are, like... <laughs> I don't know. I would, I would not know that I would feel confident that I could just get up and leave. You know? Oh, sure. right. They no, go to great lengths to make sure she doesn't know. It was know. so right. intimidating. And, like, even when she, they like... They have guns. I mean, they have guns. Right. They show her that they have guns. Even when she goes to the bathroom, like, they... <gasps> they rip the up, phone off the wall. the phone, and, like, that is very much like you're being detained. Like, you have no options. That's what it looked like. It's, yeah. Right. Right. It's like, uh, uh, you know, maybe you can go whenever you want, but just so you know, like, if you don't cooperate with us, you can end up in jail for 28 years. Like, yeah. <laughs> Great. I mean, it's kind of amazing that it didn't go the way they thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even when they take her to, like, TGI Fridays. So strange. That place like, is called Mozzarella's American Grill. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was... I thought it was a Friday's. I mean, sure. in the show, they probably were to say... But, like, in real life, that's where they went. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it was branded in any way in the show, but... But... I just read that detail today, and I was like, Mozzarella's? Yeah, I've never heard of that one. <laughs> so insane. 
Oregon yeah. City. I don't, yeah, I've never been she to that got, Did she get bourbon crusted salmon? It's not okay. Okay, we have a pilgrim burger. Chicken nacho pasta pie. <laughs> bourbon teriyaki salmon. Thank you. Oh, I know. Like, they were eating the burgers, and, mm. like, she's getting, like, the sand. And I'm just like, Ugh. I don't know. It's just, yeah. like... It's, like, always on her mind, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that. Yeah, so like, that's... Even at a time like that. Like, I don't know. Maybe she wanted the bourbon-crusted salmon, and that sounded, like, the best to her. But... Oh, yeah. And then, like, she's asking about the years, and Colin Hanks is just so casually saying, like... Five years perjury. Five years subordination of perjury. Obstruction of justice, five. Conspiracy, five. Filing a false affidavit, five. And attack on another three for witness tampering, 28 years. Throw on another three for yeah. five of this, five of that. No mention of the fact that some of those could be concurrent, even if they were, but apparently IRL in a civil case. Someone yeah. being indicted for perjury is very unlikely, apparently. Like, they really were bullshitting her completely. Right. Like, it was something that could happen, but it was so unlikely. But they were, like, really grasping at the mm -hmm. threat that this will happen if you don't do what we want you to do. I'll never have children. I'll never have kids. Uh, don't say that. No one's ever going to marry me. It's only 28 years if you face it without us. And that's not gonna happen. I know it may not look like it now, but we are on your side on this. We are. And then like they're in Crate and Barrel and my grandma is gonna be so disappointed in me and... Well, and then yes. also to say like, I'll never have children after they say like, well, you'll be in jail for 28 years. You're 24 years old, you'll be in jail for 28 years. And she's like, well, that's like my life. Right. And then he's like, sure you will. Yeah. Which like, is it? Right. Are you saying I'll be in jail for the rest of my life? Or are you saying I'll have a perfectly fine life? Like, you know. But he's like, just cooperate with us. And yeah. it's just all a lie. But he like has these little pangs of guilt where he kind of pulls back a little bit. You're trying to comfort her, but you are really terrorizing her right mm -hmm. now. You're, but you're yeah. not going to be honest with her. Yeah. Know. He's like the nicest guy in the den of wolves. I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> It's interesting, too, because it was apparently very calculated that they put him as the point person because he was known as being, like, the most personable member of the team. Yeah. They were literally like, you're the guy that can get this done because you're the only one who knows how to treat people, <laughs> basically. But even then, it was still pretty horrible. Yeah. Uh, what a bunch of monsters. Yeah. I know. Well, I like, she disappeared in the department store, and I guess, like, his partner wanted to chase her yeah. in there, and he's like, we have to be really careful about this. So at least he, I don't know, like, maybe... Yeah, it wasn't like, that's fucked up. It was like, we might get in trouble if we do that. Right, exactly. <laughs> <sighs> also, I just was marveling at the whole, like, calling, using a payphone every time. I'm sorry, using a calling card on a payphone. I pay know, phone. God. Because they don't get into the degree of difficulty that that involves. <laughs> where like if your hand is shaking and you hit a number wrong oh you have to start all over again you had to dial yeah. to do that you dial the number on the card and then you dial like this like fucking 20 digit pin or right. like code and then i think there's like a pin you set up too sometimes oh, and man. then you dial the number you're trying to dial and she's like doing that while she's in the most stressful situation of her entire life oh my god i was really feeling for her in that <laughs> scene 
And then just having all those numbers in her head, too. Like, the Betty office number and Betty's home number. And yeah. I mean, I'm sure she did, because she's a smart lady, and smart people just had a lot of numbers memorized back then. But it just, at this point, like, that I only remember two phone numbers in my life. It's, like, really hard for me to <laughs> get back to that time. <laughs> Oh my god, I got like this, this is just a sidebar, but like, I still remember some phone numbers from like a childhood friend of mine messaged me on Instagram. What was your phone number? Like, I don't know. It was just fun to, like, wow, I've not thought of that in so long. But yeah, you had to memorize so much. I think you've brought up before too, Annie, on other episodes of this podcast somewhere that, or maybe it was really with Jeff. Anyway, that like a lot of the dialing was muscle memory because of... Right. That's why it's like, I've tried to memorize phone numbers. I don't even know Logan's phone number, you know, and I try to memorize it, but it's just like, you never have to dial it. God help me if I'm ever like arrested and, you know, and I have to call someone like from memory. I know Amy Wald's phone number. That's like the last phone number I memorized. She said that number a long time. That's who I would have to call if it was like in a situation where I had to call someone because I knew their number. (laughs) There were a couple scenes outside the room like Ann Coulter having a fucking tape listening party with George Conway (laughs) and six bottles of wine. Oh gosh. Apparently she did get a hold of those tapes in real life that like that really happened too. Linda giving those tapes to her lawyer then it ended up being somebody who knew and was <laughs> conspiring with her. How did you get those? Don't ask. Don't tell. <laughs> We're listening straight through every single one. Ice? Is that six bottles? George. We're celebrating. These tapes are going to be in the Smithsonian one day. We're living a page in a U.S. history book. Just saying maybe... We should hold off on celebrating until we know for sure there's something usable on those tapes. This is a coup d'etat, and we're the coup. Do you know how rare that is? If there was ever a night to crack open something fucking decent, it's now. Those people are just so slimy. Yeah. <laughs> and then George Conway is like, there's nothing here. The quid pro quo. And I did then, laugh yeah. a lot when they're, like, talking about lettuce. You like salad, though, right? And you can have a lot of salad with this thing. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, it's good I get to eat pasta again. I love pasta. Do you like, um, Boston lettuce? I don't know Boston lettuce. It's very limp. Oh, probably not. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was hilarious. I know, it's fun to think, like, if someone has good to listen to your phone calls. My friend Lori and I have had a running joke for many, many years about, like, yeah. how... Something that'll be a paralegal, like having to read through our texts, and it's like, there's gold in there. It's the greatest job. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It'll be really funny. (laughs) They'll have a good good time. These conversations about lettuce. I love that exchange so much. Shut up. Hot probs is on. Oh, shit, yeah. Does anyone have hot probs? I kind of don't. I mean, I guess I was dealing with your... This show is too dark, hot prop this time a lot, because it really was. There was, like, almost nothing well lit at all, but otherwise I thought this was a very solid episode. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Imagine if she didn't have her parents' best friend as a lawyer or whatever. Yes, Frank Carter, please. I'm sorry, he's left for the day. May I take a message? Oh, um, no, thanks. I'll, I'll try back another time. Oh, I'm authorized to page Mr. Carter after hours with anything urgent. Is this an urgent matter? No. Thank you. Friday rush. Probably wanted to hit 495 before it turned into a parking lot. Here's a public defender. 
if you want to go that route. It's lucky she she had that lifeline, you know, right. like a kid who didn't. Right, like, that's eye opening to think like how people who do make deals with cops or lawyers or confessions, even you know, like how meaningless a lot of that is. That's the circumstance that stuff like that happens under. Yeah, totally. Next call. I love all the scenes with Monica and her mom. Yeah, I really especially love when she's begging to. Is she begging her mom to let her call Betty's? Is that what she's doing at that point? Yeah. Oh, yeah. when they're back at the yeah, apartment. and the way she says "please, mom, please" is okay. so little kid like, and it's just right. really poignant for that exchange of like at a twenty-four years old, and you still feel that she's so vulnerable and please, mom, please come here, come here right now. Yeah, she wants to protect people and she's having an emotional response and yeah and her mom is just like this is not what's best for you we won't right. let this happen uh, i was worried she was gonna hurt herself in the bathroom well so like, was her mom i think yeah <laughs> like overdose or that was really heartbreaking in the yeah. end where they're both sobbing she's in the hallway outside the bathroom and oh my god i know that I, gutted me absolutely yeah, so horrible you want to protect your child but like Fuck, this is... This is huge. Like, I mean, I know. You know, <laughs> this like, is a pretty big fucking deal. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not like, oh, my daughter got dumped, and it says, I'm trying to help her, and, when, you know, I made her yeah. tea or whatever. It's, it's like, this is a little bit different. Right. <laughs> and parenting gets so hard. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah, what... It's- what do you do in this situation? Yeah. You know, like... She handles it pretty well, I think. <laughs> Already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. Really one of my favorite little bits in this, because I know I would feel this any circumstance where this came up. I don't care, and I know that the other person would be the same way. There's no circumstance under which I wouldn't also clear this up is that when they <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> your wife, and they're both like, ex-wife, ex-wife. <laughs> Bernard Lewinsky? Yes. I'm Mike Emick with the Office of Independent Counsel Kenneth Starr. I'm here with your daughter and your wife. Ex-wife. Ex-wife. I'm trapped in a room with a bunch of federal agents. To, I'm like, no, you will still refer to me as my ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really, really Knife to my throat. I'm going to correct you on that. <laughs> ex-wife. <laughs> your husband sent us ex-husband. <laughs> so that was the most meaningful thing. <laughs> I felt that too. <laughs> on your behalf. <laughs> I love, I am not Bill Clinton's mother, I am your mother. Well, I'm not going to be the one to take down the president. Don't you see that is what this is? I am not Bill Clinton's mother. I am your mother. That was really great. I like that line a lot. I wrote, you told the father? (laughs) (laughs) No one outside of this room can know what's happening. He already knows I've called him. You told the father? That was just so meaningful to me, too. Like, you know, you told the father. Yeah, there's so much there. (laughs) Like, you got the man involved? Oh, no. This was us manipulating women. We didn't want any men involved in this situation. And it is when they get the father involved that their bullshit is called. Which is, like, so fucking frustrating. 
But it is because... Well, she was already pretty... The mom, I feel I mean, like, was... And she she was, was the one who knew, like... When that, yeah. yeah, she knew, I will call my ex-husband <laughs> because I know who he'll call. And right. that's how we can get out of this. But it's just so patriarchal. I mean, in this episode called Manhandled, is yeah. very heavy on the yeah. patriarchy. I really loved the your lying sack of shit exchange. And then Emic's like... Hey, look, I, I am sorry, but I do not see the need to use profanity. That makes one of us. I really love that. I felt that line. Like, yeah. How is anybody getting through this day without profanity? (laughs) (laughs) We already said it, but the, like, at the end, thank you so much for For everything. For everything. Thank you uh, so much for everything. Good night, Monica. Oh boy. <laughs> that, was, that was rough. But I, I did like the one moment where she says to the federal agents, like, are you going to arrest me if I walk out this room? And like, there are moments where she does kind of like stand up to them. I feel like this episode sort of like changes Monica. I mean, how could it not change her? But in the subsequent episode, she gets like more... Assertive. Like, <laughs> assertive and confident mm-hmm. after this. And in the beginning where she's like, Linda, what did you do? Yeah. Like, that was like, oh. Yeah, like, you can just really feel like the, what the fuck? You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. The anger and betrayal. <laughs> yeah. I love who's late to a sting operation. <laughs> <laughs> Linda Tripp called. She's running behind. Who runs late to a sting operation? Linda has these people, like, (laughs) on the line waiting at the suite. Yeah. But that's true. Like, it's a sting operation. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And then, like, they tell her she can leave. It kind of felt like she was disappointed that she, you know, they're kind of like, okay, we don't need you anymore. And she leaves the hotel room. Yeah. Like, she's hoping to be, like, Yeah, well, her whole deal is, like, I want to be the most important person. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason she does this, is to insert herself and be seen as important and invaluable. Yeah. And so, yeah, she's like, oh. <laughs> Can I sit here and listen to you torture my friend? God. Ugh, Linda. You're so evil. Heather, why can't you just be a friend? Why are you such a mega bitch? When Monica's dad, he leaves his talk and like is in this ballroom or whatever with his lawyer friend and his lawyer's like, maybe she got into espionage. (laughs) And then he's like, this is far worse. (laughs) And it's like, wow, this is the worst, you know? Like, what? I wrote... When her mom, Marsha, says, tell them I'm coming and you tell them to wait. Listen to me now. You go back up there and you tell them not to do anything. You tell them that I am coming and you tell them to wait. I just love the way she says that. It's such like a mom. Right. Mom's coming in now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so good. I really love that no-nonsense mom shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, the contrast between Linda and her daughter, Allison, at her house. Hey, can I take the vent? Are you okay? What's going on? Nothing. Oh, there's some uh, men coming over. Some attorneys. They need to ask me questions. Again? Different attorneys. I can't explain it all to you right now. Just asking. You look like you're about to cry. Allison, go back upstairs, please. Poor Allison, my God. I'd love to see an Allison episode. (laughs) I know. Because anytime she tries to reach out to her mom in any way, her mom is just 
so cunty to her. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, you look like you're going to cry or something. And, and she she's goes, like, go back upstairs. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I feel bad for Allison. I like that moment when Monica kind of tried to, like, a message to the sales girl at the Crate and Barrel. <laughs> oh. yeah. uh. I feel like that must have really happened. Right. I did make a note of Linda's, like, snap enclosure cigarette case. Do you remember those, like, little purses right. with the snap enclosure? Oh, yeah. <laughs> to make your cigarettes look pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and I like, same with, like, the wine decanter. It's like, what? You know, they, they already come in a Ooh, container. Ooh, a motif. Like, yeah, Superfluous, oh, superfluous yeah. middleman containers. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you never seen a decanter? I don't do much shopping. Really? You seem so comfortable in here. You take wine in the perfectly fine bottle it comes in and you pour it into this. Then you pour it again into an actual wine glass. Seems weird. My grandma has crap like this all over her place. I love that little bit of Monica explaining to them, like, the agents what a decanter is used for. She's just, like, friendly and... Okay. I don't, it's just such an odd situation that yeah, it's yeah. so strange and that yeah. apparently really happened too where they were just like walking around a crate and barrel making small talk oh my oh, god. god how awful yeah that's insane <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah the lettuce exchange I love so much <laughs> <laughs> you really like that. You like I really like the way Linda's like it's very limp <laughs> and Monica's like then I probably don't like it I love Colby Smolder's voice the way she says jerk George. George. She's really good at doing her voice. She's like clearly practiced a lot. George. I love those voices in general. Yeah, she's great. I'm at once captivated and yet now completely understand why in some cultures they drown their female infants. I really love her Ann Coulter because you can tell how much Kobe Smulders hates Ann Coulter yeah. <laughs> while she's doing that performance. It's really like, funny. Just always insulting everyone. She's like a character in The Great Gatsby. <laughs> she's just so judgmental and... Yeah. She is such a sliz. Sliz. <laughs> Slizzy. Oh, I guess I wrote... Well, I wrote Goodnight, Monica. Yay. <laughs> what a thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, see you later. Let's do this again Bye. sometime. Right. <laughs> this was cool. What else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you'll excuse me. We ready for a lunchtime poll? Yeah. So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. This is a bonkers one, I feel like. It's going to be bonkies. <laughs> this episode is bonkies, so the poll will be. Uh, what's a weird thing you did during a stressful situation? Well, I, oh, mine, mine is from when I was living in Florida, I had a job as a research assistant on a cancer, kidney cancer research study. And so I drove all over Florida and Georgia to interview case and control subjects, collecting like qualitative, anyways, like just, it was like we would interview people. So they had us like... For any trip we took, we had to go to the airport and rent an Avis rental car and then drive that. And it was just part of the protocol. But I was driving all the time. I mean, and I I liked driving, but we had a day where I drove to like Fort Lauderdale with my coworker and back from Gainesville. I don't know. It's about like six hours. So to do that in a day, like to go down there to spend two hours with somebody and drive like six hours back is a long 
That's a long fucking day. Yeah. Yeah, and like it just like thinking about this question, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, they didn't pay us overtime for that. Oh, like wow. that's I never thought about that before, but I was like a young kid. But uh, I got into a couple car accidents that year that I was in this job. And this particular time, I was on the turnpike um, behind a large tour bus. And I was going like 70. And all of a sudden, this like metal piece from the tour bus fell from under the undercarriage into the lane. And I was like, whoa. Whoa. And I couldn't like... I just tried to like go square over it and like I mean it was just like a huge bam and I was like in shock yeah and I felt so lucky that we weren't hurt or anything so it was like the tour bus and our car our rental car were like on the side of the turnpike we're waiting for the highway patrol it was like a fucking hour before anybody came and so it was a tour bus full of senior citizens that um, they were coming from the casino. There's this whole town, the villages. It's like its own zip code. Yeah. It's strictly senior citizen community. And like they took them down to the Hard Rock Casino. The one where Anna Nicole died and maybe Bob Saget died too. Mm. But anyways, I was on the bus just to keep everybody occupied <laughs> playing bingo. Oh, wow. And like I was just sitting there so anxious yeah, yeah. and it was just like one of those surreal moments where like all of a sudden we're in a bingo game for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, oh my God. it was like a surreal experience. Yeah. Like I almost thought about playing, but then I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like <laughs> this is just so fucking weird. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm glad no one was hurt. That sounds so scary. Uh, that was a crazy job. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, I'll go next. Oh, oh you thought of one. <laughs> I did think of one. Yay. Sort of. I mean, okay, I don't know. <laughs> wow. Mine is car accident related as well. My mom had terminal cancer and I was in Arizona helping her get all a bunch of stuff set up and hospice set up. She just had papers and so many papers, like bills and magazines and all kinds of shit going back years and years and years. Like stuff that had my childhood address on them, like old mail. So I'd taken a bunch of trips to the recycling center already. And this was another one of those. And then I was supposed to come back and meet her. Her her friend had taken her to this doctor's appointment. And then we were going to meet them at lunch. And I had my friend Aaron with me. And they have these confusing roundabouts there that are kind of like the National Lampoon's European Vacation roundabout. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, hey, kids, big bad. Where there's more than four ways in and out. So it's really confusing and scary. And I was already stressed out because my mom was dying. And yeah. Uh, I was coming around and, like, trying to follow the directions of my phone, and I didn't stop, but I, like, realized at the last second that I had to get over to turn to make the turn, so I slowed down, but not, like, abruptly, like, it was pretty steadily slowing down, but then suddenly, a big fucking car, I don't remember, like, some kind of big-ass truck. I don't know cars very well, but anyway. (laughs) It was a rear end. So he came around from behind and slammed into me. It didn't feel that bad in the car, but then by the time we pulled over, like, the entire back of the car was, like, hanging off, basically. (laughs) And, like, his car was totally fine, unscathed. It was this old man, and I was freaking out. Rental car, like, the car was totaled. And he was really nice. 
at first. He was like, oh, it's okay. I told him about my mom. He was talking to me and my, my friend Aaron. And, but we, you know, we were both weary because he mentioned right away, like, I'm a retired cop. And he was like, we should call the cops. I call the cops. And I know these guys. They all came and we talked to them individually. Like, Aaron talked to them and then I talked to them and then the guy talked to them. And the whole time it was like, this is, seems pretty cut and dry. He rear-ended you. That's usually, that's going to be his fault and blah, blah, blah. And then he offered to give us a ride to where we were going. So he gave us a ride back and the whole time we were in the car, he was like talking to us and asking us these questions. Like Aaron's gay, but he was asking about husbands and stuff. And <laughs> Aaron is definitely like being a little wary about that. And I was taking her cue, but he still seemed nice enough, but it's just like so sketchy in Arizona. Or, like you never know who you're talking to. But it all felt like kind of interesting. Like, why is this happening? And then later on, I found out that he lied to the insurance company and said it was my fault and that I'd come to a complete oh stop in the intersection. Fortunately, the police report said it the right way and, like, they covered everything, but... I don't know, it just felt like that accepting the ride from him was so weird and, and that whole situation was so crazy. I don't know. I don't know if this fits the bill, but that's what I thought of while you were talking about your car accident. I don't know. What do you think? Sure. Sure. <laughs> All right, that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mine is I changed my mind of what I was going to do because this just came up last night. I think I'm good with saying all this because because I'm divorced that means that one time I was married and <laughs> had to tell my then husband that I didn't want to be married anymore. So, I yep. mean, that's just a thing that must have happened, right? That happened. Uh, so, it was like a summer of 2019 and my then husband and I were in marriage counseling, but for me it was kind of like I knew I was done and part of why I wanted to be in counseling was I just was scared to tell him and I felt like I wanted someone else there when I told him right and uh, so it's Friday afternoon and I had promised myself okay this is gonna be the day I'm gonna tell him and we're in therapy and like 40 minutes I've got we have like 10 minutes left and finally I'm like uh so I have to say something <laughs> and I just said I just know that I am not going to be happy being married to you and I don't want to be married to you anymore. It was so incredibly tense in that room. It was like I had just pulled the pin out of a grenade and we were all just sitting there like, okay, what's going to happen now? Right? It was extremely tense. And then I really don't remember what anybody said in those next 10 minutes, except that at the end of the session, we already had scheduled an appointment for the following week. And the therapist was like, if you can try... To, you know, not talk about this, not revisit it until you come back here and we can try that, you know, like, okay. <laughs> Put the pin back in the grenade. Yeah, like, <laughs> right? And so then, you know, we left and the thing is, it was a Friday afternoon in the summer and our plan was that we were going to go home and pick up the kids and then go to Magnolia where there was like an outdoor kids parade, kid festival that my friend Aaron's band was playing at. <laughs> and we still did. We went and picked our kids up and went to the Magnolia Kids Fair. Oh my God. I There's not a lot that I remember about that. I don't even remember him being there. Like, I think he went off to the beer garden. I really I don't remember. Yeah. I remember so little about that, except I do remember it was my friends Aaron and Amy. And Aaron was on stage. Like, his band was playing, and I was talking to Amy. And I mean, we've been friends for a very long time. All of my close friends knew that this was coming. It was just like, okay, when's that <laughs> happening? And I was like, so, uh, I just like 10 minutes ago told. <laughs> then I'm gonna leave him. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so, that was a 
weird thing to do, I think, in <laughs> retrospect. Like, it's yeah. really weird we still did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Life is strange. <laughs> yeah. How very. All right, I think we did it. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode of Paid in Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid in Puke Pod, on Instagram at Paid in Puke Seattle, and on Facebook at Paid in Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.